Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. God instructed us to move in a certain direction this month. And every time the Lord pushes, I listen. Every time the Lord directs, I follow. Can I encourage you? That's a good habit to develop. <laughs> follow the leading of the Lord. So all month, we're going to be talking about money. Somebody say money. <laughs> and the name of this series is God's Prosperity Plan. I was very intentional with the name. That word prosperity is tough. That word prosperity drums up feelings in a whole bunch of different directions depending on your church experience. There was some misrepresentations of this word for a very long time. A lot of people were misguided and mishandled with that word prosperity. And a lot of people ended up in bad situations because of that word prosperity. But the word is in the Bible, so we got to talk about it. Matter of fact, the word prosperity is in the Bible 121 times. The word prosper is there 104 times. The word prosperous is there 45 times. We got to talk about it. <laughs> if it's in the Bible, it's meant to be understood. If it's in the Bible, it's meant to be taught. And so this name was intentional because I didn't call it the prosperity plan. I called it God's prosperity plan. Because all month, we are going to find out what God has to say about our personal finances. Is that okay? And can I just let you in on something? He got a lot to say about it. Why did we go in this direction? Why? Why? Because here's something that you all can testify to. When, you're, when your bank account is looking good, you're feeling good. Come on, church. We in church. Let's tell the truth. Oh, but when that account is looking a little, little strange, <laughs> we start to feel a little strange. <laughs> because our money is connected to so much of us, how we move, feel, and operate in this life that we're living. And so I think that it's important that in the same way that we submit other areas of our life to the Lord, that we should probably submit the way we handle our money to the Lord as well. And can I let you know something else up front? This is going to be a tough series. I know it sounds cute. Let's talk about money. But what we're really going to talk about is you. Because money is amoral, meaning that it doesn't have feelings. Meaning that money isn't positive or negative. It's just a thing. It's just a currency. You're the problem.
but you're also the solution. But I want to be clear that you're the problem. Because you haven't learned what God's word wants you to do with your money. And so we're going to fix that all month long. Here's some things that you don't know about me. I know you think you know me. But you don't know me like you think you know me. When I got married, I was a financial mess. When I got married, that's why y'all really need to like appreciate y'all pastor. Not this pastor, that pastor. Pastor Ty is who y'all really need to love and, and, and give thanks to on a regular basis. Because I promise you, I ain't standing here without her coming into my life. I promise you. And she's not even here, so I'm not trying to get cool points. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> but when we got married, I was a financial mess. I had over $30,000 of debt. Just dumb stuff. Had a car with a really cool paint job. I had a big old speaker in the back. She says it was ugly, but then ask her what her last name is. But let's move forward. All my furniture, all my clothes, everything I had. And I had a bunch of stuff, but it was all wrapped up in debt. And so when we got married, I had over $30,000 of debt. I had no savings. I had like a 500 credit score. My credit was so bad that I couldn't even get on the loan of the first little place that we got. And you know what? In that state, she looked me in my eye and said, you're going to be great. Pop, I was just trying to get to good. I'm serious. I was, I was down bad, and I was trying to work to get to good. But while I was bad, God sent my new wife to tell me that I was going to be great. And I believed her. I was confused because I knew that she knew what my current situation was. But she was able to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, look through my current and see my future. And then she came back to the present and told me what my future was going to be. Why am I telling you this story? Because now it's my turn to tell you that you're going to be great. You are. I know that your situation financially may not be ideal right now. I know you may not be where you want to be with your money currently. But I want you to know that God has a plan that if you follow his plan, not your plan, and definitely not the world's plan, if you follow God's plan, your situation will turn. I ain't got bad credit no more. Come on, your boy's over 800. Come on. 
Our whole life is paid off. Our house is paid off. Our cars are paid off. No student loan. We never had no student loan. No credit card. No debt whatsoever. Our net worth went from negative 30,000 to north of seven figures. Why? Can I be honest? I didn't want to tell you that. Let me just take my glass off so I can see. I wrestled with God all week. I didn't even put it in my outline because I didn't want to tell you. But God would not allow me to not tell you because he wanted you to know that heaven makes millionaires too. You need to know that. I didn't want to. I was wrestling. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being transparent because I'm low key. I don't walk around with Gucci. I don't walk around with none of the things. Ain't nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. The problem is we go get the nice stuff and then the nice stuff has us. I was that dude. I'm telling you, I was that dude. My wife just testified. I was that dude. I had a problem. Because I was trying to appear as something that I was not. I'm just going to be honest with you so you can start to be honest with yourself. Ty was here in Chicago in college. I was in Texas in the Army. And on holiday weekends, I would drive from Texas to Chicago to come see her. Y'all, I wouldn't even pack a bag. I'm telling you, I was bad. I drove up here with the clothes that I had on and then went to the mall when I got here. Because I have to be fresh. I'm trying to impress her. And that stuff don't even impress her. But I was trying to impress her with stuff. Then I would buy the stuff. Be fly. We said fly back then. I don't know what they say now. But I was fly. And y'all, I would leave the clothes here at my mom's house. And drive right back. Because my closet down there was full. I ain't need no more stuff. I had a problem with my interaction with money. And much deeper than that, I had a problem with my mindset around money. So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm speaking, and this is what you need to understand, I'm speaking from a place of authority. God has given me and my wife authority over this. He walked us through a very tough journey so that your journey wouldn't have to be as tough. You got to understand something else. People pay us for what we're about to give y'all. Corporations pay us for what we're about to give y'all. So can you do us a favor and execute on what we're about to give y'all this month? Can y'all do us that favor? We want this for y'all. We were sent here to do this. There is a whole journey with how we took this role. There was another separate journey on how we landed here in this city and in this region. And it was all, listen, God's idea. And when you follow God's ideas, you can't lose. So as we're walking through personal finances this month, we're only going to talk about God's ideas. 
And so you're going to have to make a decision up front as to whether or not you think God knows what he's doing. I had to die a lot to get here. You're going to have to die a lot to get to where God's taking you. And I want you to know that up front. I'm not going to be very pastoral this month. I'm going to be very apostolic. And I want you to know that up front. Why? Because my wife and I want this for you. And more important than Ty and I wanting this for you, God wants this for you. So all month, we are going to outline God's prosperity plan. Is that okay? Remember, if you've been here long enough, we told you that this is the Genesis year. I know it sounded cute. The graphic that we had was dope. But it requires some discomfort. Because the heart of the Genesis year is that God is going to reach into some areas of your life that are void and without form, and he's going to create something great out of it. But when he reaches in there and he starts to mold and shape and shake, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. And you're going to have to decide whether or not you trust his process. That's a decision for you to make. We're going to be anchored in the book of Genesis for um, this series. There's one scripture that is going to drop, I'm going to drop anchor right there. There'll be lots of scriptures that we talk about because I want you to know what God has to say. But for the overall theme of this series, it's Genesis 39 and 3, and it says, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. The reason that this is what God highlighted to me is because of how he expects us to move. This, this verse is at the heart, the center of the story of Joseph. And let me give you a little context about where we're at in Joseph's life when this scripture was penned. He's a slave. He's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is not a Jew. Potiphar is an Egyptian. He don't know nothing about Yahweh. Nothing. And so it strikes me as odd that this verse says that his master, who was Potiphar, saw that Yahweh was with him. How can he see that Yahweh was with him when he don't know nothing about Yahweh. He's an Egyptian, not a Jew. He doesn't worship Yahweh. But Joseph's work and Joseph's results were so outrageously positive that even Potiphar saw a God that he didn't know. Joseph ain't preached no sermon. 
Joseph ain't interpreted a dream yet. All he was doing was working. All he was doing was taking what was given to him and maximizing it. He was a slave. I know I, when we get to the end of his story, he's the second in command in the most powerful land in the world, but he ain't there right here. He's just a slave. See, sometimes we look at Instagram and we look at a superstar, a celebrity, an influencer, and we assume that that's, that's, that's the place right there. That's the destination right there. But then we look at their level of influence. We look at their level of popularity, and then we instantly disqualify ourselves. They have that because they're them. Joseph was a slave. You need to know that God can prosper you right where you are. It says that the Lord was with him. Not only was the Lord there, but the Lord made all that he did, everything. He made everything prosper right where Joseph was. You need that in your heart now. Because the devil's going to try to talk you out of this. He's going to try to tell you that you're not in position to do this. He's going to try to tell you that you don't have what it takes to do this. Of course, they're a millionaire. They're a pastor. Listen. Can I help you? First of all, I've only been a pastor for seven months. Can I go deeper? I ain't got no salary. So what you going to say now? And it's important that you know this up front. Because when you get around your friends and your family, they're going to tell you, you know, all they want is your money over there at that church. And you notice something else, Jamie? Only broke people say that. I'm just, I've been doing this a while. I've been around a lot of wealthy people. And you know what wealthy people do? They give. I ain't never had a wealthy person tell me, talk me out of giving. Because they understand something that the church often fails to realize. Give, and it shall be given to you. But you listening to little JoJo telling you about a crooked preacher. I, I'm not even going to get to my point. I'm going to give you a pre-point. Pre-point number one, God don't need your money. I need to tell you that up front. He does not need your money. This is a biblical topic. Jesus gave us 38 parables in the New Testament. 38. 16 of them deal with 
how we handle our possessions. This is a biblical topic. In your Bible, there are about 500 verses that deal with prayer. In your Bible, there's a little bit shy of 500 verses that deal with faith. And in your Bible, there are over 2,000 verses that tell you how to handle your possessions. This is a biblical topic. But yet we interact with our money every single day without consulting the Bible. That's why you're the problem. Let me be very, very clear. You will either master your money or your money will master you. I need to tell you that so let's talk about this word prosperity. Let's look at what the Bible says about the word prosperity. By definition, in the Hebrew language, it's pronounced salak. It means to prosper, moving forward, to be profitable, and making accomplishments. That's the actual definition of what the word prosperity, because we're talking about God's prosperity plan. So you need to know that he does have a plan for you to prosper, but he doesn't force it on you. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's not magic. I know you want to pray hard enough for your net worth to change. I know you want to pray hard enough for miracle signs and wonders on your credit score. I got it. I understand. I'm not mad at you. But I'm here to tell you that it's going to take work. There's another scripture I want to anchor this series on, and it's James 1 and 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can I help you? Because I'm a Bible nerd. When you read the Bible, you should ask yourself questions. What do you mean? by perseverance. That word should have jumped out. Some of y'all went straight to lack nothing like, amen. God is good. But the verse starts with the word perseverance. Can I educate you just a little bit? I don't have to persevere through something that I like. One of my favorite holidays is Thanksgiving, and it ain't got nothing to do with turkey. You know why it's one of my favorite holidays? Because from the time I get up to the time I'm about to go to sleep, there's a football game on. I ain't got to persevere through Thanksgiving. I'm watching football all day with joy and gladness in my heart. That don't require perseverance. But when it comes to eating salad, I'm not the biggest fan of salads, but I need more salads in my life. And so because I need more salads in my life, when the salad is there before me, I've got to persevere because I don't like the salad, but I need the salad. So it's going to require my perseverance. You only have to persevere through things that you are not naturally drawn to. That's 
when perseverance becomes a requirement. Let me talk to you about your brain. This is why it's going to take perseverance for you to execute God's prosperity plan because it's going to require some reprogramming of your mind. It's going to require some reprogramming of your belief system. Did you know that based on neurological research, that's the study of the brain, that on average, each and every one of us have about 36,000 thoughts a day. Did you know that? That's a lot of thinking. <laughs> Did you know 80% of them are negative? That's the science. So that means every day you walk around with 28,800 negative every day. Why? Because of the fall. Think about it. As soon as they ate the fruit, what did they do? They clothed themselves. Why? Because they felt ashamed they started to think negatively. And it's only been compounding since. Why? Because we are programmed for safety, not success. So we're always thinking about the worst case scenario so we can prepare. But we're only preparing ourselves to be safe. We're not naturally inclined inherently to think about our success. That's why you're going to have to persevere. That's why you're going to have to push through. That's why you're going to have to keep an open mind to what the Lord is about to say through this series. So today's message, we're going to look at the book of Matthew. Matthew 25, a very familiar passage of Scripture, starting at the 14th verse. I'll be reading through the CSB version for all my iPhone users. You should be able to get there like that. Android, just look at the screen. All right. Matthew, the 25th chapter and the 14th verse reads, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, he called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them, which brings me to pre-point number two. It ain't your money anyway. It ain't your money. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid whose money? His master's money. It ain't your money anyway. 
Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Ah, but the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I, I know you. <laughs> You're a harsh man. Reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, I have what is yours. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. Oh, my God. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And I would have received my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. But from the one who does not have even what he has. Come on, somebody will be taken away from him. This is God's prosperity plan. And throw this good for nothing. I mean nothing. He ain't good for nothing. This is God's plan, not mine. Servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Today I'll be talking to you from the subject of the talented tent. The talented Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please let your perfect will be done. We want to learn how to handle money your way. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1895, Harvard University issued its very first Ph.D. to an African-American. Um, the person that received or earned, I should say, that very first doctorate degree from Harvard University was a gentleman by the name W.E.B. Du Bois. He was an educator, a sociologist. He was an activist. And a few, few years later, in 1903, W.E.B. Du Bois wrote an essay called The Talented Tenth. And at the heart of this essay was his thesis that said that in order for our race to be elevated, because as you can imagine, 1903, we wasn't doing so good. But he said in order to raise up our social status in this country, we need to focus on our top 10% of our population. And we need to get them educated. We need to get them trained. We need to get them in position for success. Because if we do that with this 
this 10% will be able to come back and elevate the stature and the status of the other 90%. He believed that an intentional, thoughtful focus on 10% could possi possibly, positively impact the rest of the 90%. I believe that this was a biblical idea that the Bible didn't get credit for. Because in our Bible, it talks about a 10%. And it puts so much energy and emphasis on that 10% that it teaches that if we are thoughtful and intentional with our first 10%, that it will possibly, positively impact the other 90% of our finances. What am I talking about? I'm, I'm talking about a tithe. Why would I start here? Because it's where we started. You have to understand, I know you want me to talk about investments. I know you want me to talk about entrepreneurship because that's cute. But you ain't there yet. There is a step-by-step -step plan that God has for your money, and it starts with that first 10%. I guess I better show you some scripture, huh? Let's go to Proverbs. The third chapter, starting at the ninth verse. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Tenth verse says this Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. It starts by saying, If you honor God, with the first fruits. What's a first fruit? Now, you got to understand this is agricultural wording because this was an agricultural people. And so they were mostly farmers and herders and sheepmen. And so when he was teaching them to give first fruits, he was saying, give me your best first. Go through your harvest and give me the best ten percent of that and if you do that he says your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine so sometimes i like to do word studies and i did one on this word the tithe simply means a tenth part a tenth part a tithe is ten percent let me encourage you you should write this down a tithe is not a tip God don't need no tips. I told you I'm not going to be pastoral this series. God doesn't need a tip. Okay? A tithe means a tenth part. Not just any old tenth, but it's the first 10%. Don't worry, I'm going to keep giving you Bible because I know the enemy's talking to you. Don't worry. Hang in there. You're going to have to argue with the Bible 
before you argue with me. Genesis 14 and 20 says, And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. I gave you this verse for those people who like to argue that the tithe is under the old covenant. Here's the problem with that argument. The verse that I just read you predated the old covenant. So now we have a problem. The old covenant was established with Moses. When Moses went up to the mountain, and shout out to Moses, man. Like, I, I, was, I was, I'm like, bro, like he climbed a mountain and talked to God. That is scary. Shout out to Moses. But anyway, that's when the Old Test, or excuse me, the Old Covenant was established. Okay? This is Moses' great, 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 great grandfather that we just read about. There is no Old Covenant, but yet there's a tithe. And what you have to see in this scripture was the heart posture of Abram. He wasn't even Abraham yet. He wasn't, he wasn't even who he was going to become yet. And he understood and operated in this principle. Because this is part of what qualified him. Come on, I'm trying to help you. This is a part of what qualified him for what God was going to do in his life. So Abram came in contact with Melchizedek. And because of what he received in the teaching and the mentorship and the knowledge that Melchizedek shared with Abram. Abram was so blown away. He was like, surely this man has been with God. And he was impacted so much that the Bible says Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram was bowling. Let me be clear. Abram wasn't broke. And he didn't give him just a little something, something. He gave him a tenth of the Bible says everything. Like, bro, thank you. I appreciate the God in you. Here is a tenth of everything. The tithe predates the old covenant. The tithe is inside the old covenant. The tithe is after the old covenant. You need to know that. We're going to unpack it. Because a tenth it's important. A tenth could change your whole financial situation. A tenth, think about that. A tenth part is the key to God's prosperity plan. Don't worry, I'm going to keep reading the Bible. You're going to have to be mad at God, not me. I'm telling you what we had to do first. I'm telling you what pre- dated everything else that came into our life after the fact. We had to get this in order. So I don't want you to just have a tenth. I want you to have a talented tenth. I want, when you make the decision, because I'm not going to make it for you, I'm just going to educate you through the lens of the scripture and let you decide for yourself what you're going to do with this information. But as we proceed through scripture, I don't want your tenth to just be a tip. Say, so here, God. All right, here you go. 
I want it to be talented. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that as we go. But there's four points I want to give you about the talented tenth. Point number one, the talented tenth is fundamental. The talented tenth is fundamental for all my note takers. This has to do with a mindset and a thought process around your time. I'm going to read Matthew 25 and 15, and I'm going to read it in the NASB. I'm a nerd. So what you need to know about the NASB is that it is the translation that is the closest to the original text. Okay? So in this, it says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. The master knew what each one could handle. How did he know what each one could handle? Because he had been training them. He had been pouring into them. He had been instructing. He had been demonstrating on how you handle his wealth. It wasn't theirs. So they had been training, and he had been mentoring, and he had been pouring so much that he knew how much each one could handle. He knew fundamentally where their capacity levels were. He knew that if he gave too much to the wrong one, that it would be beyond what they would be able to handle. He knew what their mind was like. You're going to have to get your mind right if you want to operate with the talented tent. Your mentality is going to have to change. You're going to have to think differently about this topic. Through the prophet Malachi, God warned the children of Israel that to present anything less than the full 10% was to rob God. Malachi 3 and 8 says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? When did, I, when did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You need to see that there's a distinction between a tithe and an offering. He didn't say a tithe and a tithe. He said an offering and an offering. He said the tithes and the offering due to who? Due to me. I know I got a couple of Pharisees in here. I'm coming to hold on. But you need to know through this scripture that there is a difference between a tithe and an offering. Your tithe is your first 10%. Your offering is anything above that 10%. Now, I know that depending on where you've been on your Christian journey, you know that this scripture is often used to manipulate people into giving. And so you want to avoid this scripture altogether. The problem is it's in the Bible. So we got to talk about it. Am I saying <clears throat> that we are still under the old covenant? No. Is what I just read a part of the old covenant? Yes. 
So you need to not take away from this verse because the next scripture, the next verse after this says that you will be cursed with a curse. Ain't no cursing going on. That's over with. Because Jesus came and he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Jesus has fulfilled the law. So there is not a tithing law anymore. But there is a principle. Tithing is a principle that God left on the earth for your good. He doesn't, here go the devil again. He doesn't need your money. You need his protection. It's fundamental. You're going to have to reprogram your mind. So you was all about prosperity until I start. I told you, you're the problem. You're going to have to look in the mirror all month. I know I'm not going to see some of y'all next week. So let me tell you, let me give it to you now. You're going to have to look in the mirror. Stop pointing the finger anywhere else unless you are looking in the mirror. Your mindset is going to have to change. God told his people to set aside a tenth of their crops as a teaching tool. God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to teach you, instruct you. By giving away 10%, the children of Israel were making a statement about the remaining 90%. Every time they decided to follow this principle. They were declaring to God, I trust you with all of it. Giving you this 10% doesn't scare me. Giving you this 10% is a joy. Because I know that you're going to take care of the rest. Of course, like any good practice, tithing can be misunderstood and abused, but God intended it to give perspective. Perspective. What's the perspective that God is trying to get you and I to understand through the principle of tithing? The perspective that he wants you to know is that all 100% is his. He gave you all of it. I know you thought it was your degree. I know you thought I'm just really good at resumes. I'm a negotiator. No. All 100% that you have is because he allowed it to be so. <laughs> and through the principle of tithing, he is trying to constantly remind Constantly put us in position to remind ourselves that everything we have, we got it because he gave it. And because he gave it, I want to give back. When your mindset changes and you realize in your mind that it's all his anyway, you walk around with a different attitude. When things are going well, you're like, thank you, Lord. When things aren't going so well, you're like, Lord. Because all 100% is his. And when you align yourself through the tithe, you've got backup. Let me help you. 
my wife and I, we have multiple ways that we generate income. That's a biblical principle as well that we'll get to later in the series. But here recently, one of those sources started tripping. They're going to send me a letter telling me they about to, you know, cause a little reduction. I'm like, the devil is a lie. Oh, nigga, I was mad for about 60 minutes. That's it. About 60 minutes, I was frustrated. But here's the thing. Because I operate in God's prosperity plan, I'm not fighting by myself. So, so when the letter comes, it ain't me saying they're trying to get my money. They, I'm saying, God, they're trying to get your money. God, they're trying, they're trying to get your money. What we doing? What we doing? I got back up. Because I'm operating inside of God's prosperity plan. I appreciate your letter. Do what you got to do, playboy. Because even if you're successful now, you won't be successful in the long run. You're going to give me that money back with interest. How am I able to say that confidently? Because I'm inside of God's prosperity plan. And it starts with the time. Guys, ladies, gentlemen. Let me tell you something. When both of us had jobs, we tied. When one of us had jobs, we tied. There was an eight-month period where neither one of us had a job, and we tied. Why would we do such a thing? Because we trust God. This is a trust issue. God don't need your money. You need his provision. I know the devil's whispering in your ear. There they go. There they go. Them preachers always talking about money. I knew it. I should have stayed home and watched the game. God don't need your money. Can I help you? Talent and Ty don't need your money either. Let me look you in your eye and tell you. This is God's church. It's not Tyler and Ty's church. So God's going to provide. There's people across this country who ain't never stepped foot in here that give. I ain't worried about, I, I don't want to say it like that. I almost said something. Let me, let me calm down. Right, baby? Let me put my glasses back on. All I want you to know is that God's going to take care of this place. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> this is for you. Your mindset's got to change. We give, we, listen, my wife and I give because we trust God. We labor for this church with no salary because we trust God. We were associate pastors at our previous church for five years for no money. Why? Because we trust God. I don't move for money. The only thing that moves me is the kingdom. That's a different mindset. Money doesn't make me move. Advancing the kingdom of God makes me move. I'm behind schedule, y'all. I'm sorry. Y'all don't. I'm sorry. Y'all go sit down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't turn it on. Don't turn it on yet. 
only move for the kingdom. It's my only concern. That's why I'm able to show, I got I to study eight hours to create a 40-minute sermon. Why? Because I only move for the kingdom. I do it with a smile because I'm concerned about the kingdom. I don't need your money. God established the principle of the tithe for you. And your mindset has to change now, up front. The tithe is biblical. But we're talking about the talented tenth. So point number one was that the talented tenth is fundamental, meaning that it starts here in your mind and how you think and how you approach it from a mental standpoint. Point number two is that the talented tenth is foundational. Foundational. This speaks to an attitude or behavior. I've heard many Christians argue that tithing is legalism. They claim tithing is bondage. And God's people have been liberated to practice what they like to call grace giving. Grace giving. Because Jesus came and fulfilled the law, we are no longer under the bondage of tithe. And we only give by grace. It's interesting. My response is that, of course, tithing is legalistic to some people. I used to be a legalistic tither. I only did it because I didn't want to be cursed with a curse. I just didn't want God to mess up my money. I mean, I better tithe, you know, because you know God handed out curses. I ain't trying to sign up for no curse, bro. <laughs> That's legalistic tithing. But then something changed. Because the word foundation means that it's at your core. Think about a house. It's what is built on top of. It's what provides stability to a structure. And so at my core, I had to change to not give out of duty my tithe, but I had to return the tithe back to him out of delight. I ain't going to be cursed with a curse. You're not going to be cursed with a curse. But it's a very good financial principle to build your financial plan on top of. It will provide stability. And it's interest that when people like to have these conversations about legalism, first of all, I don't even know what legalism means, but they heard it and it sounds good and they keep saying it. But anything can become legalistic. Showing up to church can become legalistic. Praying can be legalistic. Yeah. In your Bible can become legalistic. If you let it, anything can be corrupted by legalism. But you don't come up with a solution. Oh, I'm just going to stop going to church because I don't want to be a legalist. You know what? I'm not going to pray anymore because prayer is legalistic. Nobody says that. But yet they want to apply that standard to the time. Why? Because they're greedy. 
because they're self-centered. Because they're self-righteous. What you're basically saying is under the new covenant, God lowered his standard. Can I do some math for you? Under this old covenant that we're talking about that Jesus came and fulfilled, there were actually three tithes, three types. One of them only happened every three years. But if you added all the tithes up, the people of Israel are actually giving 23%, 23% of their possessions gladly. And yet, if you, if you, if you do the research on today's American Christians, we average, as a people, 2.5%. Because we don't want to be legalistic. 40% of Christians give zero. So you're basically saying that God has lowered his standard under grace. No. God is not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. And the talented tenth is an exercise to make you stronger. To make your heart positioned properly. Because it's foundational. You don't want to build on a faulty foundation. This is your heart. This is your, you have to search what's in your heart when it comes to the time. You have to look at what's in that heart of yours. When you hear the word time, when you hear a teaching about time, what is going on in your heart right now? If it wasn't for these lights, I could see your face. And I'd be able to tell because I got the spirit of discerning of spirits. I mean, I got the gift of discerning of spirits. I'll be able to look in your eyes and see how uncomfortable you are. So thank God for these lights. But as you do a self-reflection, what's going on in your heart? Why haven't you been tithing? Ask yourself that. How would you answer yourself? <laughs> when you were making the decision, when they had the little options on the screen and you could scan or you could text to give, you can go to the website, what was the devil? I'm sorry, what were you telling yourself about the tithe? What's your belief system about the tithe? What's your foundation about the tithe? Matthew 25 and 16 says, the one who had received the five talents immediately, immediately went immediately there was no delay there was no hesitation there was no thinking there was no let me uh let me let me wait for a sign I, i'm just I, I just need to hear from the lord immediately like as soon as the owner left immediately went to work he didn't have to go get no word nobody had to prophesy over him To work. Why? Because it was in them. What's in you? What's in your heart? When it's time to give. What's there? You have to deal with it. 
you have to make sure that your foundation is intact. Why? Because that's what God looks at. The Bible says that God doesn't search the outer appearance. He looks at the intentions of the heart. That's why you have to address the foundation. So the talented tenth is fundamental. The talented tenth is foundational. The talented tenth is financial. It is. It's money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. I know we like to read that parable and we like to use the word talent as though it's a skill set. An ability. Man, it's about money. A talent was a currency. To be clear. And I know some of y'all felt bad about old boy. Like, that's so unfair. Bro got five. Little bro got two. Bro, bro got one. Why are we bad? I mean, he only got one. I mean, maybe he was a little nervous and he want to mess up the one. That one talent was worth 20 years of work. Let me help you. $1.4 million in today's time. Cashed him out. Now here, take this young 1.4. You still feel sorry for him? Cashed him out a meal. And he hit it. That's how we look at our 10%. We don't see the value. We don't see how powerful. We don't see how massive that 10% actually is. Man, it has natural and supernatural implications. That 10% is you trusting God. But make, make no mistake, it's financial. You are making a financial declaration to God every time you decide yes or no to the time. Galatians 6 and 6 says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. Fun fact, that's the New Testament. <laughs> so in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, it says that you should be a part of providing for the house of God and those who teach and lead it. You're going to have to be mad at the Bible, not me. So if you come here every seven days and give nothing, you're unbiblical with your money. Because the Bible says that you should. So it's important for you to know that it's not only fundamental, it's not only foundational, it's not only financial, but lastly, the talent intent is favorable. It's for your good. It's there for your benefit. My last scripture, and y'all can do y'all thing. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. 
you're going to have to be mad at the Bible. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. They just want money at their church. Okay, fine. The Bible says, give freely and become more wealthy or be stingy and lose everything. I, I'm, just, I'm just reading the Bible. Next verse. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. This is why we had to start here. Because the generous will prosper. You're trying to get, I want the prosperity. Well, the generous will prosper. The generous. I, I'm trying to, God, we already in a line. I'm trying to get you in a line. The generous will prosper. This is in your Bible. The tithe is for your good. He's trying to discipline you. No, it's not a law. No, you won't be cursed with a curse. Nobody should force you, and I'm not, tithe's not, forcing you to tithe. We're just educating you on a biblical principle that will benefit you if you apply it. The choice is still yours. Either you can sign up for God's prosperity plan or you can keep doing things your way and keep getting what you've been getting. The choice is yours. Either you're going to line up with his word or you're going to spend every seven days in church saying, I received that. Because ain't nothing happening. And ain't nothing happening because you're not in alignment. This is a trust issue. It's a principle that was enacted to help you to grow and develop and mature. It's time for you to mature. You, you really think God's cool with you being paycheck to paycheck? Does that even sound like the kingdom? How he got streets paid with gold, but you barely able to handle your bills. Now, I'm saying this from a place of not only authority, but empathy. Because God has not allowed me to forget what that felt like. With all due respect, I haven't struggled in a long time. But God has not allow me to forget what it felt like to get that letter in the mail. First notice. Second pass due notice. The don't let me catch you in the streets notice. I've gotten all of them. We didn't even have cell phones. So I had to buy a caller ID. And I remember how I would feel when that number came across the screen of a collector. I remember what it felt like to be degraded on the phone.
by a collection agency. That's not God's plan for you. I know that's what you've seen your whole life. But just like there are generational curses, there are generational blessings. You can break a generational curse and start a generational blessing. But you've got to decide, I'm going to line my money up with this Bible. And step one, step one, step one is the talented 10. 10% can make so much of a difference in so many different areas. Did you know that 10% of the United States population controls 73% of the wealth? The 10th is a powerful thing. <laughs> I shared with you that 80% of our thoughts are negative, naturally, inherently, unless we start to do things like practice gratitude and some other things. But did you know that 10% of those negative thoughts are comparison? If we could just stop comparing ourselves, if we could just stop looking at social media and seeing them all draped out, posing in front of Bentleys with the wraith, like, look at me, I made it. Can I tell you something? They inboxing me for advice. Your favorite influencer don't even know what they're doing with their money. They Burberry head to toe on the IG and they in my inbox like, bro, what do I do? It's fake. I'm trying to help you. You're looking at the wrong thing. Look at your Bible. That's where the answer is. That's where the standard is. That's where your help is. And it starts with your talent. Make it talented. I call it the talented tip because it's worth more than you realize outline that one talent is 1.4 million dollars today. Stop looking at your tithe as a small thing. It's big in the eyes of God. He wants to know where you're at. Fundamentally, he wants to know where you're at foundationally. He wants to know where you're at financially. He wants you to know that that decision that you're making with your giving can be favorable. He ain't going to force you. I ain't going to force you. You have to opt in or opt out. But you need to know that biblically, it's step one in God's prosperity plan. I'm going to pray over you. And the thing about all nations, Aurora, as you can see, that nobody prays alone. So we're all going to repeat this. We're all going to say it together because we are cheering for you. So if you raise your hand, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life, and for giving your life on the cross. I believe that you are the son of the living God. I understand that I am a sinner in need of a savior. So Lord, I'm asking you, to come into my heart and to take control of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that on the third day, you were resurrected for me. So at this moment, I surrender my life and my will to you. 
In Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said amen. Can we make some noise for those who just made the most important decision that they will ever, ever, ever make? We celebrate you. We salute you. We thank God for you. If God has been talking to you, you've been coming for a while, or maybe this is even your first time, and he's made it clear that this is the church that he would have you to be a part of. We would love to be your church, and my wife and I would love to be your pastor. We make it pretty simple. You can scan that QR code, or you can see one of our Dream Team members. They have a lanyard on. You can scan that, or you can go outside to the table that says, New Here, Start Here and they will be able to give you instructions on how to become a part of what God is doing here. And trust me, God is doing a lot here. So I hope I didn't offend you too much. I hope you come back next week. We got some more to talk about. But thank you for coming. The altar remains open. If you need prayer, come and get prayer. We're gonna pray as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for being with us and helping us and instructing us. As we endeavor to align our finances with your plan, give us the strength and the endurance to persevere and to do all that you've asked us to do. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.